This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Seek Reality Radio with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about your reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here is Roberta. There is one reality. Neither mainstream science nor mainstream religions can tell us much about that reality because at this point they're both belief systems. One is atheistic, one is theistic. They're both belief systems. Neither is engaged in an open-minded study of the whole truth. But fortunately, we have abundant, consistent witness from people we used to think were entirely dead. We know now that they live on in a greater reality that parallels our own. In fact, it's exactly where we are. And what they tell us is that you are an eternal being. You never began. You never will end. Our guest this week is Lee Lawrence, who's a near-death experience a survivor. And he's my dear friend. Hearing how his NDE has transformed his life is going to transform yours as well. Welcome, Lee. Good afternoon, or good morning, depending upon <laughs> where people are at. Depending on where we are, right? Lee, you, I've known from ever since I met you, I've known you had a near-death experience, and it was an unusual one, and I've known how it uh, did transform your life in, in ways, but I've never heard the story kind of deliberately, because I want to hear it with our listeners. Tell us what happened. How did you have it, your near-death experience? Well, I, I generally don't go into it a lot uh, with the public, and for the simple reason that too often, and I've watched this in a lot of experiencers, where they start to own their experience and develop an identity around the experience instead of transcending it. And I was trying to be careful to not fall into that trap. So I, I share it uh, because I can see it helps other people, so that especially people who have gone through it, so that they don't think that they are crazy like I did. Yes. What, what it is, tell us whatever you can tell us. How, what were you up to? What happened? Did you were you well, in an accident or something? I was I was totally left brain, logical, own it or control it. Tax law professor uh, at uh, Penn State. Uh, at the same exact time, I had a large CPA firm. I was a workaholic, and my whole life was the type A driven logical bean counter. And what had happened was uh, it was a Friday afternoon and I started getting sick and getting a headache and it got worse and worse and I went to the hospital. It got so bad it felt as though someone had my eyes in a vice and squeezing them. Oh, wow. uh, ends up I had meningitis and <gasps> Uh, the hospital I was in was not treating it, and it got worse and worse. So finally in the morning, I crawled into a wheelchair, and my wife drove me to another hospital. 
and I immediately went in and into the emergency room. I'm hugging my knees, and the last I remember, I was hugging my knees so that they could stick a spinal tap needle in oh, to draw a spinal fluid, and that's when I checked out. The uh, uh, That was the easy part. Uh, <laughs> that was the easy be- part? <laughs> because... Because once you check out, you don't feel any pain. You don't have any sensations to to pull you down. You feel this wonderful feeling in love. And one of the main problems is that once you've experienced it, you really don't want to come back here because the profound love is is so great. And when you do come back which it is a good thing to come back because this is the forum for your soul to grow. But what it does is it helps you to realize that absolutely nothing can kill your soul or your spirit. I don't care if they dropped an atomic bomb on top of your head. While it might destroy your body, nothing can terminate your soul, which is who you really are. Right. So the end result was... Did did something happen during... I mean, did you see or did you experience something or do you not want to talk about that part? Well, I went to the other side and I met beings and I got a lot of information and much against my will, I had to come back because there was a purpose. And that part I I do leave out. But... uh, when I came back, and this is this is why a lot of it was, uh, how should I say, shocking for me. The biggest change was my logical ego identity is what died, and when I came back into the physical body, I was an emotional basket case, and I had no access to my logical self. I. Huh. Even though I was a CPA doing very complicated tax returns, prior to it, I couldn't even sit at my kitchen table and do a simple tax return. It oh, my shifted, goodness. It shifted my consciousness that my logic, which was my ego identity and who I was before, was gone. And all of a sudden, you know, I had abandoned my emotional child when I was four years old, when I had a situation that happened in my life. I ended up stepping into my logic and taking control of my life and and saying, I'm strong, I'm powerful, and I abandoned my emotional child. So when I How old were you then? How old were you, Lee? When my near-death experience, I believe I was 32. It happened in November of 1988. So you were were young then. It's interesting because uh, Evan Alexander's happened... uh, almost 20 years to the day after mine with meningitis. And uh, from the area here where I'm at, and uh, I was actually with him when he presented his very first time and told his story, Evan being the one who wrote the uh, Proof of Heaven book that is so popular. And uh, it it was just a lot of interesting parallels that uh, what... What I do is I help people who have gone through the experience because part of what happened to me is I never fully came back into the physical body. And 
Let me explain that. Please. Uh, as part of the emotional person that I came back into, I started being able to perceive other people's thoughts and memories as though there were real physical, tangible objects. So as I would walk up to a person, I would know their life history just by walking through their field. And what I found was that I could read people's life history, which is in a field around the body in a very specific pattern. This is the same field that when a person dies and their consciousness is no longer limited to the physical body, it expands outward through this field in reverse sequence, and that is the, quote, life flashing before their eyes, or the what many Christians call the judgment process. It's not really a judgment, it's just a life review process. Right. And, and it's a review merely because your consciousness is expanding through those stored memories. How interesting. So you, you feel that it's not physical process, but, but it's sort of a, an organic process or a process uh, that happens in space somehow. Um, it feels as if it does. You are, in many ways, your soul is beyond a three-dimensional existence. Right. And what happens is, you know, a lot of Christians talk about being born of the Spirit. Uh, when you die of self, which is what a near-death experience is, and it allows you to shift into this new perception. It's, it's almost like when you're in your mother's womb, you're limited to what your mother perceives as your experiences. Once you're born, you can start to perceive from your five senses, and you build an identity of who you are based upon your perception through your five senses and your critical thinking skills. When you go through the death experience and you become what I would call aware of your spirit, you actually start to perceive from your soul or spirit around you, not just from your physical body. It's as, oh. though, it's as though your conscious awareness popped, and all of a sudden it goes out many, many feet from you in all directions. So that if and were you like this immediately after you 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 got you began to get better? You were back in your body after this near death experience. You were transformed instantly, and it scared the heck out of me. I would imagine <laughs> that it, it would. So, I have to say that I turned to my faith in order to search for answers, and when my faith did not support what I was experiencing, rather than throwing my faith out, I went deeper into my faith and started to say, okay, let's go to the original scriptures or the original words and into the Greek Hebrew lexicon and Strong's Concordance and said, is there a different interpretation of this in light of what I'm perceiving and experiencing? And I found many times there were, and then that led me into Buddhism, where I found Buddha was teaching the same thing as Jesus, which then led me into studying the Kundalini awakening or the Hindu aspect of a spiritual awakening, and realized that it's all the same process, no matter which religious perspective you're looking at. And what I found was it did not cause me to discount my original Christian faith, 
it actually made it stronger and deeper and gave it much more meaning. Rather than a superficial interpretation, it became experiential. However, my left brain bean counter brain started to come back again and said there has to be a logical explanation for this. Right. So I went back to the university as a student, picked up a degree in psychology, and went on to study cognitive neuroscience so that I could actually understand the neuroanatomy of the interaction between the solar spirit and the physical body. Because the bottom line is all of your memories and your processing is not done in your physical body. Right. It's done in your soul, which is much bigger than your physical body, and it's merely anchored. You know, the human brain is not the computer processor that most people identify as the self. It's more like a transmitter and a receiver that is mis just interfacing between your consciousness and your physical body, your consciousness being much greater than, much larger than your physical body. So, so profound. Thing, absolutely right. Absolutely rightly. So the thing that really threw me a curveball was I never considered psychology a science because of the biased variable of perception. Because whether you touch a person, whether you say something, whether they see something, you are stimulating their critical senses. And any time you stimulate critical senses, you are introducing the biased variable of perception into your research study. So what I found, though, was that a person could close their eyes. I would walk back 15 feet from them. I wouldn't touch them. I wouldn't say anything. And I could reach out and touch the memories that I knew were there in their soul field. And when I touched them, often it would knock them right off their feet. They'd stand up, and I'd do it again. And I found that as I walked through their field touching memories, I could move their body around. And accordingly to the direction of their movement, I started realizing automatically what the memories were, whether a person internalized and beat themselves up over the experience that was stored in their memory, or whether it was uh, externalized in the form of anger. Um, if a person fell in love, they would come forward almost often falling off their feet coming forward. If a person got angry and, let's say, broke off a relationship or got angry with parents, they would fall off their feet backwards. And all this without me stimulating any of their physical senses, any of their five critical senses. So, so they would fall? People would fall when you simply were a few feet away from them because you were touching a spot that they that held them in their larger soul field that held a memory? Your, your soul field, and, and they, these are things that I started to experience as my reality, as uh, consciousness works, and, and I'm not trying to go into the quantum mechanics and, the, and that end of it, but that's where I ended up going in order to be comfortable for it in my own reality. Uh, consciousness works in frequencies. And what happens is you have your operational consciousness, which is in psychology, they say that's what you're thinking and processing with, and it can store seven plus or minus two bits of information. 
that is the current operational consciousness, your memory, and that goes up and down on the vertical axis, and it's what the chakra system is to the human body. Each one of those are just different operational frequencies of consciousness, which many religions refer to God as light. What is light? It's merely the collection of all of the other individual color frequencies that compose white light. That's why we refer to God as light. It's, it's merely the accumulation of the perfect soul, which is us being whole at all levels, we can relate to and experience that. Wow. Wow. Just we're, we're, we're going to hold this just for a minute because um, I, I, I couldn't break into that, but it's time for us to just take a quick break. My name is Roberta Grimes. You're listening to Seek Reality in the Contact Talk Radio Network. Every week at this time, we spend an hour together. We're working to better understand that one glorious reality in which we all live. We'll be right back. If you've ever wondered why you're here, if you wonder whether God is real, if you wonder why life isn't fair or whether there's life after death, let Roberta Grimes help you learn the joyous truth about your own reality. Roberta has trouble with believing things. She's always wanted to know, so she spent decades studying nearly 200 years of afterlife evidence. In the process, she made some wonderful discoveries about God, reality, and your own eternal nature. The truth is better than your most optimistic hopes. Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Why wonder and worry when at last it's possible to know? When she was eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her. And the result is her book, The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. Roberta's book is Cliff Notes to 200 Years of Abundant and Consistent Afterlife Evidence. It will show you why extinction is impossible for you, explain how you can enjoy the death process, and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all. Available on Amazon, in Kindle, and in print, The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Um, our guest today is a friend of mine who is uh, was once a mild-mannered accountant. Then he had his near-death experience, and he became super perceptive. Um, he is blowing my mind. I hope he's not blowing yours. We're going to try to ground a little more of what he's telling you in your everyday experience. But um, as people who listen to this, reg- this show regularly know, I've spent my life studying this stuff. And what Lee is saying is sort of a more complicated and poetic version of the of, of what I've been learning as well. Part of the joy of doing this work, and I know this is true probably for Lee as well, is that 
whenever I meet someone else who's come at studying the greater reality, but from a very different perspective, we all have reached the same conclusions. It's real. It's nothing that people have invented. It's real. It's just very different from what most people have learned all their lives because science and, and religions don't really tell us this stuff. Although, Lee, you've been using religions to, and, and I found that was true as well. I majored in religion in college, and I found that they are basically telling the same story, but they have a, a, a different main character, but it's the same story. So, so let's go back to what you were talking about uh, in, in terms of, um, <laughs> take us back. You were talking, talking in terms of, of chakras and how they're, they break, basically break out the color spectrum and God is light. Rethink that thought for us, please. Well, all the light is, or the colors, are representations or how you perceive a certain frequency of consciousness. So, you know, it's kind of like the red with anger or lack of a self-identity. A person has a yellow streak down their back. You know, these are, <laughs> these are merely colors that are associated with certain operational frequencies of consciousness. So I can honestly say that people are given a near-death experience in order to experience taking a bite out of the carrot that they are striving for in life so that they know that they can come back into the physical body and while they are here, they can still experience the divine love or nirvana experience that they experienced of perfect love while they were out of their physical body in the near-death experience. So a lot of what I do is to help people uh, through the obstacles that are their blocks to their spiritual growth. And I emphasize help them, not fix them. Because everything we encounter in life, no matter how we perceive it, is generally there for our benefit, for our soul's experience to grow. There is really yeah. nothing as good or bad. It is merely our perception of it at the lower level. Uh, once we get to a, uh, to a higher level of consciousness, it's interesting. And this, you know, prayer or meditation are merely examples of people tuning their consciousness to a higher level. Fear and anger are merely examples of people tuning it to a higher level. And I joke that... Uh, you mean, a you mean a lower level, fear and anger? A lower frequency. Yes, uh, yeah. Frequency spectrum of consciousness. See, I feel people's thoughts just like you would feel or hear different notes of music, and you can say, oh, that's a certain note, or that's a certain note. So I feel their consciousness along a scale distribution the same way you would hear musical note distribution. So, so you don't I, hear their thoughts, but you are able to perceive whether they're sort of their emotional range, where, where their emotions are, whether they're angry or exalted or wherever they are. Is that what you or, mean? When, when I remember what I was saying about operational consciousness, uh-huh. uh, it, it's, I was never a religious man. I was re ne never a religious person. I could say maybe not an atheist, but definitely an agnostic. And because in my eyes, as the CPA professor, I was God. I was in control of my life. Um, one thing that happens when you go through this experience, you find you are definitely not in control. Right. And 
<laughs> and it is an instantaneous, I am no longer in control. Right. And it's, I can be thankful that it happened very quickly, because if it happened slowly, it would have been a very painful process that I don't know that I could have dealt with. The yeah. end result was that what I found was working on a man, and I was merely raising his consciousness on the vertical axis and spreading it on the horizontal axis into his historical stored memories in order to give him some space because he was having anxiety and panic attacks. And I'm looking at my hand as I'm doing it, and I'm making the sign of the cross, just like the priest does. And all of a sudden I realized, ah, there's where that originated from. It was the, the hand sign they hold is actually the Hindu mudra for sending energy, and I was actually raising a person's operational consciousness to help them to heal some painful memories that were stored in their soul. Oh, my. Let, let's talk about what you do uh, professionally now, because I know you're a counselor. I've seen you work. Um, what, what is it that you do professionally, and how would people well, get in touch with well, you? Well, which hat? Oh, okay. Tell us about all your various hats, all the different Oh, I, I am desperately trying to get rid of the CPA hat, but it is harder to get out of business than it is to get into it. And right. I still have stragglings of that, and I joke, I just turn my hat around. Um, <laughs> primarily what I do is I help people. It is very important as I'm working with them, I do not judge. I don't care what they have done. I don't care if they've murdered someone. I do not judge. My goal is to help them to heal their soul and to remove their judgments rather than to beat them up and lower them. You know, I'm trying to lift them up, not crush them. Right. So right. a lot of times what I do is uh, I'll merely reach into the memory that's the anchor, a uh, I define sin as an obstacle to love in the soul. Anything that a person judges is wrong becomes an obstacle to love, which incidentally, that was uh, the 12th century poet, the Sufi poet Rumi. Uh, his statement, uh, life is about finding and removing the obstacles to love that exist within us. Wow. Uh, that's really what life is about. And yes. the review process of going through the near-death experience, you get to see all your obstacles to love that happened since you entered the womb. So uh, wh one hour ago, uh, I just finished up doing a workshop, and at the end of it, I did a demonstration with a woman who was having some pretty severe pain. And all I did was have her close her eyes and focus on the pain in her body. I walked back stick my hand out and start walking toward her, whenever my hand hit the memory in her soul, which was the memory of the experience, which is anchored in her physical body, that the muscle tightening up to block the negative emotion of that experience is what was creating her pain. Uh, when my hand hit the memory, which was about 15 feet away from her, it started pushing her over because she was emotionally attached to it. This is why forgiveness is so important, because if we're angry at someone, we're attaching ourselves to them, and we're giving control to them, and they can control us through that anger. 
forgiveness is for yourself. A hundred percent. Exactly right. So I'm fascinated by this. How large, and, and I should just say parenthetically uh, on this show, we, we generally talk about mind. When you're talking about soul, I don't think there's a difference. I think that what, what we talk about here as mind um, is the same as the soul. I don't think we, we have two. In other words, I think we basically have one. But um, the, the, it, how big is it? I mean, 15 feet away is pretty far. Well, where, where do you start encountering it? That's at its smallest level. 15 oh feet or 30 feet in diameter is at its smallest level. So, see, what happens is your masculine and feminine aspects of your soul spin, and they act as a centrifuge. So your early childhood memories are actually at the outer perimeter or about 15 feet away from you. And many times I will have to get down on my knees to touch those memories because they're their safety, security. If you're looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's base level issues at the lower level of consciousness. So the, the woman that I was just working with, for example, uh, her emotional trauma that has been bothering her for 40-some years, that she had no idea why, I walked back and I said, your pain in your shoulder happened during the delivery process with your mother. And I said, incidentally, the reason that it is so painful is because your mother was very, very angry at your father at that exact moment, and that is why your entire life you disliked your father and you never knew how, because oh, you never my. knew why, because the perceptual programming event wasn't anything that he did to you. It was you picking up your mother's experience of hating your father as yours. Oh, so, my. So what I do is I help people to find the original perceptual programming events that create the illnesses in their physical body. It's, it's really how Jesus healed. It's just his consciousness was so high, he would just throw his consciousness into an obstacle to love in the soul, and it's like a laser beam hitting something. It just shatters, it's gone, and they're right. healed. If, right. If you Wasn't heal that the body, okay. If you heal the body and you don't heal the soul, it's temporary. Right. Absolutely right. Wow. Okay. So, fifteen feet out is small. What would be a larger soul area? Well, let's just take a mystic. Let's uh, let's take Jesus for example. How large is that consciousness? Remember, when Jesus went through the dark night of the soul and he came out to the other side, he said, my father and I are one. You know, in Buddhism, there's a saying that you are allowed to be aware of one level of consciousness above that which you exist. It's a very true statement, no matter what your religion is. So when Jesus went through the dark night of soul, his consciousness popped to the next level, and he said, ah, my father and I are one. And then he turned around and he made a statement, which very few people understand. My father is in me, and I in my father, and if you are in me, my father that is in me is also in you. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) And then you have Christians saying, but the only way to God is through Jesus. And I say, I believe that. But a Hindu might say the only way to God is through Krishna, and I can say, I can believe that. Or a Buddhist, if they perceived in the same type of God, would say, uh, the only way to God is through Buddha, and I could say, I believe that. You know, how can that be? It's because people are thinking of the journey to knowing 
God as though they're walking down a road following their teacher. But it's not. Take a different model. Use Russian nesting dolls, and you're the little doll in the middle, and God's the big outer doll. And there's other dolls in between. And I'm not going to say one is Buddha, one is Krishna, one is Jesus, and argue which one is bigger or smaller. But the bottom line is, you can't get from where you are at, your consciousness cannot expand to that outer doll without going through all the other levels. So that's why I can say to each of those religions, you're correct. Yes. Now, the problem is with Christians, and I am one, they end up setting Jesus on a throne and they treat him like a lifeguard who can pluck them out when they're drowning, and in the interim they fear water. Which would you sooner have, a lifeguard that waits till you're drowning to rescue you, or a lifeguard that teaches you how to swim? Right. The bottom line is, when he sent out the disciples, he said, the things that I do and more, you too shall do. Right. Everybody can do those things. These things that I'm able to do of reading people's souls are natural attributes of the process if people allow themselves to grow spiritually. And I don't care what religion you are, the path's the same when you get to that level. So, One of the problems with Christianity is that we, we uh, traditional Christians, I was one, um, tend to think you can do just about anything and just get saved and, uh, you know, you're suddenly at the top level. But it's such a process. Jesus didn't say that. There doesn't say that anywhere in the Gospels. Jesus said he was our teacher. And the words he, he gives us in the Gospels are so consistent with my research and with, the, obviously, the, the work you've been doing as well. You know, he came to where he spoke, and he told us true. And it's, a, it's something which we are here to work and grow and learn and do. It's not something that doesn't happen on the deathbed. I mean, you can't just say, okay, I'm latching my, my, myself onto the star and I'm just going to go. It doesn't matter what I do with my life. Your, your life is when you apply what Jesus taught or what the other great teachers taught. And that's true. And, and while I am not criticizing anyone for what they have done as a result of their experience, because it is good to share, and in sharing it helps other people. But there's one thing that is very dangerous, and that is when we go through the death experience and experience this wonderful thing, there is such profound experience that all of a sudden we think, wow, we're there, we're enlightened, we've had a taste, and we've experienced God. <laughs> right. Well, I'm sorry. Yes, it is <laughs> no. profound, but just like a 16-year-old who has just come through the turmoils of the teenage transition and puts their toe on the, the threshold of a self-identity, and the phrase, hire the 16-year-old while they still know it all, is because <laughs> there is a period of euphoria of coming right. out of that turmoil when you put your toe on the threshold of the next level. Right. So that... Right, right. That experience where we tend to say, follow me, I have all the answers, and we start to proclaim, is actually a trap that can cause us to go back and own the experience and create an ego or a spiritual ego around our experience, which stops us, can stop us from growing further spiritually. So wow. I'm not criticizing it. It is just that if people are aware of that, 
they can then do it in a healthy way rather than having to go through a painful experience of rebuilding the ego self and have to go through the pain of diminishing it again. Wow. Well, I feel as if we've hardly scratched the surface, but we're already two-thirds of the way through our hour, unfortunately. When we come back, I'm going to ask Lee to tell us more concretely what it is he does and if, if this is something that will help you, how you can get in touch with him. You're listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Our, ge- our guest is the amazing Lee Lawrence, who is he's blowing my mind. I hope he's not blowing yours quite as much as he's blowing mine, but um, we'll put it all together in our final segment. We'll be right back. If you've ever wondered why you're here, if you wonder whether God is real, if you wonder why life isn't fair or whether there's life after death, let Roberta Grimes help you learn the joyous truth about your own reality. Roberta has trouble with believing things. She's always wanted to know. So she spent decades studying nearly 200 years of afterlife evidence. In the process, she made some wonderful discoveries about God, reality, and your own eternal nature. The truth is better than your most optimistic hopes. Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Why wonder and worry when at last it's possible to know? When she was eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her. And the result is her book, The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. Roberta's book is Cliff Notes to 200 Years of Abundant and Consistent Afterlife Evidence. It will show you why extinction is impossible for you, explain how you can enjoy the death process, and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all. Available on Amazon in Kindle and in print, The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling, and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. We're talking with Lee Lawrence, who started out as an accountant, had a near-death experience, and expanded his own consciousness to the point where now his profession is helping people to remove the blocks that, are, that exist in their, in their minds and their souls uh, and keep them from expanding their own consciousness as well. And this is, I've heard stories from him and we'll, we'll I think here's some more. But what, what is it, what are the kinds of people you can help, Lee? Um, anyone, in, anyone who is in or out of a physical body. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty broad. All right. So, so people who um, have had, who, who are feeling blocked, who have had a trauma, who are having relationship problems. Uh, well, uh, allow me to elaborate. When I, okay. what, I, what I what I meant by that, <laughs> I really try to not uh, fix people because 
it's kind of like uh, feeding someone versus teaching them to fish. Um, it is far more important that I help people to learn to grow through their experiences than it is to take them away from them. And I can't stress that enough because while virtually any illness can be healed, a person has the illness for a reason. And to the soul, even death is a learning experience. So that a lot of what I do is, you know, I tell a, at the beginning of my workshops, I usually have a simple narrative where I say, it doesn't matter what religion you are, the anatomy and physiology of your body is pretty much the same. It doesn't matter what religion you are, the anatomy and physiology of your soul or spirit is pretty much the same. But unlike the physical body that you can test and observe and dissect and say, this is what it is, the soul is much more intangible. Until you raise your consciousness to a higher level, and all of a sudden the soul becomes physical and observable just like the physical body is. But the problem is, with all these people all coming up with their theories and speculations and ideas as to the anatomy and physiology of the soul, each of these developed into a religion. And that's really all religions are, is philosophies of the anatomy and physiology of the human soul. Philosophies of the anatomy and physiology of the human soul. Wow. But the problem is, each of these different religions are kind of like the five, the Hindu or Buddhist proverb of the five blind men who are led to an elephant for the first time. Yes. And one, and one gets the trunk and argues an elephant is like a python, it's like a giant right. snake. And another gets the tail, and they argue, no, you're wrong, it's like a rope, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, the bottom line is, they're all correct, but none of them has the bigger picture. Right. Once so you true. understand the anatomy and physiology of the soul, all religions are in total agreement with their each, each other, and there is no disagreement, because everyone sees the bigger picture. And they realize, you're all right but you each have a piece of the puzzle. And that's why it's so important for people to be open-minded and study what other people believe, not necessarily to accept and bring it into their own belief state system, but at least to understand it. Because what will wow. happen is you develop a universal truth. But so, that is so profound. I never thought of the of the various religions as, the, as those blind men, but that is so truly. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. So that... So that what happens is, to many people, when they're living down at the lower levels of fear and anxiety, and they lower their consciousness to such a low frequency that a, a molehill in front of them appears to be a mountain. But to a person whose soul grows and reaches the higher levels, they can raise their consciousness so high and into such joy that mountains appear to be molehills. All right, people are listening and they're saying, well, all right, what is that higher consciousness, Lee? What is that that they should be aspiring to? It's certainly not hatred or anger or any of the, you know, everyone knows those are going to be lower vibration. What are the higher vibration emotions they should be going for? Now, keep in mind that those are only attributes of that level of consciousness. So 
okay. again, they're not good or bad. They are just attributes that there is a wound at that level that is inhibiting that consciousness from growing to a higher level. So that what happens is, you know, a guy may say to his wife, I love you, and she may say to him, I love you. Which, incidentally, the reason that love is so important, if you could actually feel it when you're feeling a person's soul, love is the glue that holds the soul together at all levels and all frequencies. That's why love, love is, is so the glue. <laughs> okay. Love. You're giving me so many new things to think about. I hope other people are having the same reaction. Love. I never looked love. at it that way. Love is kind of like if, if water is the feminine and grease is the masculine, love is the detergent that allows the two to merge together. It's <laughs> detergent. It's, Love, love is the anchor that can either, in relationships with another person, hold two souls together, but equally or more important is that unconditional acceptance of self or loving self, non-judgmentally, allows your masculine and feminine aspects within your own soul to become one, and it holds your consciousness together so that you can build it higher and higher and higher and reach those higher levels. It's your foundation. So that, back to the guy saying, I love you to his wife, and she's saying it back. She might be saying, I love you because I know there'll be a roof over my head and food on the table, and I feel safe and secure. He might be saying, I love you because the sex is good. Or she might be saying, I love you because you validate who I am and make me feel good about myself. Each of those three are progressively higher levels of consciousness. And because of the time that we are in right now and that the earth is in and what is happening, we are in the springtime of soul growth. It's the reason why there's so many near-death experiences. So that people start to understand this process. So what's the next level over the identity and feeling good about myself? It's altruism and starting to realize that, you know, other people are part of us. And I use an example to describe the progression of consciousness as a bunch of V's. And if consciousness is down low, each person is at the bottom of the V and they view life as a competition and everyone is separate from them. But as they grow, their consciousness expands and pretty soon they realize other people exist in my same space. And as they grow to a much higher level, they start to realize we are all one. And that's why Jesus made the statements that he did. Communion is merely Jesus saying, you exist within me, become, realize that you are a part of me and my level of consciousness. Right. And that's all that it is. It's to help people to reach the higher levels. So his first commandment, when the Pharisees challenged him and said, what are the most important commandments? Love God. That's what it's all about. Always trying to reach progressively higher levels of consciousness. The second command, the second one, which is love thy neighbor as thyself, is cleanse your soul and get rid of all your garbage that's stopping you from doing a better job at number one. Sorry. Right. Well, I I just wondered, um, how do people get in touch with you? All right. Someone's listening and saying, you know, 
I don't know if he can help me, but uh, he sounds like he could. Uh, how would they get in touch with you to do that? Well, I have to apologize, first of all, that I am kind of difficult to get a hold of. Uh, I do have a website, and what I call my website is The Science of the Soul, with the before it. And it's just The Science of the Soul. And if they Google that and or my name, which is Lee Lawrence, uh, they can get in touch with me. Um, My goal, my focus, I should say my goal, because my life has been one of wonderful, bizarre coincidences in spite of me. Um, It appears that my project is to teach and help others not necessarily to fix people, but to teach people the, the whole process of growth and what the near-death experience is about. You know, your life here in the physical body is precious. And the reason it's precious is because we are on the stage that gives us the best opportunity for our soul to grow. It's very difficult for our souls to grow when we're outside of the physical body and we don't have the illusion of separation. Right. That's right. So what I'm, I do a lot of traveling and uh, travel around the world and do workshops, but I have purposely, I've been able to do this for about 20 years, but in my meditations, I kept getting, it's not time yet, it's not time yet. And I was getting frustrated. It's like, God, either let me come home or tell me what I'm supposed to do. And finally, recently, it's time. The reason it's time is because things are beginning to happen. Um, People are feeling it. People are aware of it. They're not sure what it is yet. Absolutely. I see the same thing, and everyone I talk to feels that way. Everyone in this field feels that way. This is exciting. It's an exciting time to be alive, and I can't wait to see what happens next. Now, if you were going to leave us with some thoughts, what would be the thoughts that you would want us most to remember? Do not run from suffering. Do not run from your obstacles in your path, but embrace them, because by embracing them, you can go through the situation. If you run from it, it's only going to come back to you again and again and again each time you run from it. So embrace the suffering, embrace the situations, and look through it and look for a reason why it's there and what the experience is. Keep in mind, for the same reason you can't put new wine in an old wineskin, you can't put patch an old garment with new cloth, there's no room for the divine in you while you're full of yourself. The process of emptying and getting rid of the old is a painful process. There's no room for the divine in you while you're full of yourself. Maybe one of the most profound things I've ever heard. That's fabulous. Thank you. Okay, that's that's something to write down and cross-stitch and put on the wall. So that what happens is, what I'm saying is, we as a society are about to go through a major midlife crisis that's going to be very painful. If we look at it from the lower level of the pain, it will be horrible. But if we look at it from a higher level, it will become less painful and we will grow through it much faster. Keep in mind, 
if you face what you are trying to get away from as you're walking away from it, you'll be walking backwards and won't see where you're going, and you'll run into every obstacle and trip over everything in your path. But if you turn around in life and look at where you want to be and align your individual will with the higher will or the higher purpose, you don't have to go through all the painful experiences of smashing the old into smithereens. You can bring the new in as part of the process of growing and grow through the midlife crisis that we are about to face as a society. So that would probably be the most important thing I could say. Embrace the change. Embrace what's difficult uh, and let it empower you. And um, again, Lee, how do people get in touch with you? What's your website? Yeah. Keep in mind, this may not make sense, but it does. Your strength can only come through your weakness. That's right. I, I think that's right as well. You, you continue to boggle me. I, 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 we are, you're not going to have coffee before too long. I want to hear more. My, uh, my website is thescienceofthesoul.com. Thescienceofthesoul.com. I believe it's .com. And my apologies, um, I, I'm in the process right now of getting people to reorganize it and update it. Um, I kind of let go and let God, and it was just something that did not manifest in my path. But all of a sudden, um, it's happening. Um, as you can see, I don't do this based upon me or who I am. I do it to help people. Well, thank you. You're certainly helping us. We've come to the end of our hour. Um, we've been talking with Lee Lawrence, and next week we're going to be talking with Dr. Craig Hogan. He's This, I think, is his third or fourth time on our show. He's a leading expert in the study of the greater reality, and he's one of my biggest heroes. He's going to be talking next week about new developments in afterlife communication and telling us about the Academy of Spiritual and Consciousness Studies 39th Annual Conference, which will be held in Scottsdale, Arizona, July 10th to 13th, 2014. Craig is a force in this field. He's going to be telling you things about the way the dead communicate with us now that you've never heard of and that are astonishing. And he's going to make you eager, I think, to attend that conference. Both Lee and I will be there as well. Meanwhile, please visit us at afterlifeforums.com and join the discussion. Now go out, enjoy, make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are an eternal being and you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about your eternal life. To learn more, tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. For lively and positive discussions, visit www.afterlifeforums.com. To contact Roberta, email her at roberta at seekreality.com.